anyone in close proximity has the same dream. What is it? A secret that can no longer be kept. It started a month ago. What started? A change in the earth and the sky. His power. There's a weird locking mechanism. Looks like it can only be opened from the inside. Hey everybody, it's the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And I'm Randy, and today is another exciting edition of the non-canonical adventures of JD and Randy, as presented by John Carpenter. That's right. Today we're taking a look at Prince of Darkness from, from 1987. 1987. Jinx! Uh-huh. This one stars... Lisa get, Blunt. Oh, uh, among other people. Donald Pleasance. No, I, I named her first because she seems to be the focus character. Well, uh, Brian, Ma wait, that's the name of the character, Jameson Parsh. Parsh? I hate the way they show this listing. Mm-hmm. I really do. It's Victor Wong, Jason, Jason Parsons. Yeah. Parker, Lisa Blount, Dennis Dunn, Susan Blanchard, Lisa Blount, Anne Marie Howard as Anne Howard, Anne Yen. Ken Wright as Lomax. You remember Lomax? Everybody loves Lomax. Everybody loves Lomax. Dirk Blocker as Mullins. Jesse Lawrence Ferguson as Calder. Peter Jason as Dr. Paul Leahy. And Robert Grasmere as Frank Wyndham. And don't forget, most importantly, Tom Bray as Etchison. And Joanna Merlin as Bag Lady. And featuring Alice Scooter. What? Alice Cooper as Street Schizo. In case you haven't noticed, there's way too many people in this movie. <laughs> and a lot of a lot of them just kind of disappear at certain points, like Alice Cooper kind of vanished out of the movie. So this movie is about a group of graduate students and scientists uncover an ancient canister in an abandoned church, but when they open the container, they inadvertently unleash a strange liquid and an evil force in all humanity. Thank you, IMDB, for that explanation. So, JD, can you tell me what this movie was about? Oh, you just explained what the movie was about. It's about an ancient substance that comes to life and murders people like a slasher villain. There you go. That's the whole plot. But I don't understand the movie, but can you explain to me what's going on in the movie? I can't explain to you what's going on in the movie because the movie can't explain what's going on in the movie. You mean you can't tell me about the intersection of quantum physics and religion? Oh my god. And how uh, Look, the, the devil is the spawn of the anti-god who lives in the mirror universe of our own because there's matter and antimatter, and that Satan would one day be reborn and that the, the sleeper guardians are protecting us from him. Now, and wait a second. We're, we're getting stories from, we're getting dreams from the future that are actually broadcast. Now, wait a second. What has to happen here is you have to stop talking during that speech. Then one character has to go off and get murdered. Then you come back and you continue that speech for about two hours. Does That's it feel like, does it feel like we missed something in this movie while watching it? It's, I don't know. I inferred a lot from this movie. I don't know what we would have missed or what we would have gotten because a lot of it was a lot of gobbledygook that was either recycled, repeated, or not told until later on when it would have been handy to know that beforehand. This movie goes on forever. It's an hour and 50 minutes. Um, it's, like you said, it doesn't make sense. It, they don't tell the story very well. This movie is interesting. Like, I see a lot of little cool things in here that I want to like, so that's part of my general impression. But overall, I'm disappointed. My impression is that uh, this doesn't feel like a John Carpenter movie in one way, and that every John Carpenter movie we've seen so far has been incredibly coherent. No, what, what did I say before? Like, okay, that was a John Carpenter film, just mm -hmm. not very good. Well done. But his strength has always been he's very good at getting across, like, the threat, the stakes, what has to happen. 
not in this movie at all. It's it's very confusing for most of it. And what happens ends up not being very shocking because you don't even really understand what's happening. Most, that, mostly that, because it's very confusing. Yeah, they told JD this would have made, from what I could glean of the plot, <laughs> this could have made a good book. It could make a good RPG campaign, a video game campaign. This could things. have been Eternal Darkness 2. Like, you could have it... But this felt more like a dry run for the follow-up in the Apocalypse trilogy that this is part of, mm -hmm. In the Mouth of Madness, which we talked about on a previous episode. Yeah, that one was a lot... It does a lot what he's trying to do in this movie, except it gets he gets it across a lot clearer, a lot more concise. Except in that movie, he's purposely nebulous, and this one here, it's just confusing, because it's somebody who's talking about quantum physics who doesn't really understand more than the basics, which is little bit less than I understand a quantum physics. Well, he also keeps like saying, oh, this must be happening because of this in quantum physics, which is like, what? Why? Where? Where'd you get him with that? Is that even what's happening? Do we know? Are you an authority? Is this really what's happening? Because a lot of the movie is a discussion, it's a philosophical discussion between a quantum physicist played by Victor Wong mm -hmm. and by a priest called Priest who's played by Donald Pleasance. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot about talking about well, this ancient sect existed that's called the, the, protect the Sleepers of the Awakened or something mm -hmm. like that, and they're protecting us from something, and they communicate in dreams, but it, they have so much power, and Jesus Christ was crazy, and they crucified him and, and so that he could, would die, and that one day it, people would be have the science to finally understand what he was saying. Uh... And it's actually about quantum physics, but it's not really what we understand. And the focus character of the movie is not really the focus character of the movie. And there's a lot of then things... it becomes a slasher film. And then there's elements of Assault on Precinct 13 that aren't done very well. And... But then there's elements of Halloween that aren't done very well. And then there are elements of the next movie he does, They Live, which they don't do very well. There's elements of In the Mouth of Badness, which, which isn't he... done very well. <laughs> That's a lot of his stuff. Like It's a lot of his signatures are in this. But because it does, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense of what he's trying to get across. It does not come across very clearly. Most of it, I, I, mine is all from inference, and then reading a synopsis where I think people made the same inferences I was making. Well, you, you were even talking one point in the movie, like, look, she has the mark, so that must mean that she's the the bearer of. Uh... The Antichrist and like, okay, but that's not even been mentioned once. In the I, I, movie. I jumped to that conclusion because of the fact that they were talking about how if there's a God, there has to be an anti-God and that Satan has to be. So if there's a Christ, there has to be the son of the anti-God. So that would be Satan. Mm -hmm. But it's not really explained why that's her at that point. No, it happens the way it happens. And why that things that happen in that scene happen the way they do when there's no reason for that to happen that way. There's a lot of that in the movie. Another thing... And it has control over weak minds well, and that, also the dead? Well, that's another thing we mentioned too is it's a slasher movie and that someone keeps going off and getting killed over and over again. Except not really because they come back as zombies, a, a zombie creature. But only at a certain point. Because for some reason, they don't just swarm and kill them all. I don't understand why. It... Oh, and she's not the Antichrist, J.D. She is the vessel for Satan so they can bring their father back from the antimatter world. Anti they literally say that five seconds after she's about to go into the mirror world. Oh, she's the vessel! You didn't mention this at any point at all before this. 
She has the astrologer's crook and cross. Well, like, like, I, okay. like I said before, when you mentioned Assault on Precinct 13, when we get the gang, we get one scene at the beginning that shows them, and that, that's the only scene they speak in the entire movie, and yet after that point, we know what they want, we, they know what they're trying to do, and they're a, they're a very potent threat throughout the entire movie. It's the complete opposite of this, because nothing the, quote, dead do really make a whole lot of sense if they're directly under control because there's literally a part where we just mentioned where she awakens where then they decide to attack the guy that's trapped in the thing when they could have done that at literally any other point before then but didn't there's a lot of that in the movie and like i said they seal uh, them into the abandoned church area and for some reason don't just charge in and kill them all anyway why didn't they just do that that's there's a whole lot of things like that. Like, why didn't this happen? Oh, because the plot requires them that way. They, because it, the plot requires them to live. Like, one of the characters it, do, dies as they spat upon by by these attractive women, and then he becomes a zombie. Like, he, she literally kisses him, I think. Yes. Yeah, and then, like and then he slabs himself in the slabs stabs himself in the throat with a piece of wood. But they save him, and then he just wanders around as a zombie for the rest of the movie, giggling and trying to walk into a mirror. Like, Which I understand, like, my inference, again, is trying to get to his the father, and they're just meant to, because they keep going back to bugs, and mm-hmm. how there's a queen, and how there's, they're, they're the will of somebody else, and what mm-hmm. if humanity is just the manifestation of God, and that we're just the, the thing of his will going out and doing it, and his real, it's like, oh, it's, it's, oh, it's a mess that you have to make a lot of infer- inferences about. Well, it would make more, a lot of sense if the plot lays. It didn't just say, well, this has to happen now for this thing to work. Because that just kind of takes away from any sort of power he's trying to get across. But as you can tell, this movie really hit us because it's it's a, it's a disappointment. After all these really good Look, uh, John Carpenter movies we've watched, it's a disappointment. I've said before, like, John Carpenter, I think, is one of the strongest uh, directors of the 80s. As a Robert Zemeckis, uh, John Carpenter, and Walter Hill are the three Joe ones Dante. for me. Joe Dante is another good one. Um, but Joe Dante as well had a weak one, which was Pump Studio Interference, Explorers, not as strong as the rest of his stuff. This, this was the first of his independent mm. ones, like after going doing bigger studio ones. Yeah. He's come, like, what is it, Live Studios or something like that is the name of the group he's working with for well, this, this one? This came out literally during his John Carpenter's heyday, like right, right after... Um, a big Starman. Trouble in Little China, right no, after it, Starman. Tr- big Trouble in Little China was a failure. Yes, I'm talking quality movies here. Starman, Big Trouble in Little China, that after this he would do They Live, and In the Mouth of Badness not too long after that. And this one just kind of is a misfire. There's really no other way to put it other than a misfire. I was kind of hoping that maybe it would be like, you know, one of those hidden gems we hear so much about on uh, Canon Cruisers, but um, unfortunately it's not. It's really And not. also, once again... We are not part of some secret cabal that's trying to push Scream Factory and Shout Factory. This, yes, this was a Scream, a Street, a Shout Factory release. A Street Stream, Street Shout Factory. Yeah, I'm, I'm having trouble speaking because this has given me so much irritation. Uh, yeah, so... Alive Films was the production company. So let's just jump into the other side of the equation. equation what was your highlight yeah. of the film? What was your highlight of the film, Randy? Okay, on three. We're both going to say it at the same time. One, two, three. Donald Pleasance. <laughs> Actually, I'm just going to say the actors uh, as a whole. They did a good job. 
Even, oh, you mean the actors specifically that John Carpenter likes that had all the good lines, i.e. Victor Wong, Donald Pleasance, and uh, Dennis Dunn? Which are the only three that really had any sort of... Character? Thing, character to the movie. Everybody else was just kind of wandering around. I do magic tricks and I'm supposed to be the main manly hero, but I look like I'm in my 40s, but I'm supposed to be in college. I'm this beautiful woman who seems to be the main uh, character character of the film, but not really. I explained quant I explained Schrodinger's cat at some point to Dennis Dunn. I'm I was just thinking about that before. Did did she do anything after they get trapped in there? Other than spoilers, her knocking the uh, um, flesh puppet into the uh, mirror of the other universe? No, that's what I was about to say. Because when she showed up again, wait a minute, did she even do anything? 13 academics and a priest walk into a church. <laughs> okay, um, if you've ever seen The Thing, you know that movie is literally about a creature that goes around killing people and they're trying to figure out how to smoke it out. And by the end of the movie, they end up having to face down the creature. This is like that, only done wrong in every way. So it's basically him trying to redo that movie and doing it wrong. That's the best and way to like, up And like, I've never seen the thing. I'm watching the Apocalypse uh, trilogy in reverse. Mm -hmm. The movie ends on a down note. The movie ends on like, nope, this was all inevitable. The world's going to end eventually. Ha ha ha. Actually, you can't even really say that because of the way he frames it. I, I'm inferring it because the Again. dream from the future. Oh man. Oh, I got to say Again. something about the dreaming. But uh, let's go. So, so your highlight of the film is the music minus the acting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I said, the... The three characters he wrote for really have some character, am I right? <laughs> no names, but they, they have character. Yeah. Because you have the professor played by Victor, Ro Victor Wong. You have the priest played by Donald, Donald Pleasance. Pleasance. And then you have Dennis Dunn, whose character, I think his name is Walter. Yeah. It and is. everybody else is there to die, more Kelly or less. Kelly is the uh, Lisa Blount yeah, character. Everybody else is just more or less there to die. And I remember, I remember, Susan! Hmm. Susan! She's the one that's like, Susan, what are you doing? Susan! Yeah. Everybody else is just more or less there to die. And, like, I wanted to bring up The Thing, too, because that's a movie where uh, the creature is a mysterious entity we don't know anything about, and yet it's very imposing and threatening. In this movie, the creature is not explained very well at all. And I want to roll that into negatives of the movie. The negatives of the movie is the threat of the movie. I hated the threat of this movie because it didn't make any sort of sense they literally had to explain things over and over and over again. And a lot of it is never confirmed because we never see it do anything. Uh, my, I'm just going, it's, oh, okay, the devil's trying... Oh, it's, it's setting off the apocalypse. These are the end of days. It's, it's, it's meant to be the uh, the devil's trying to break through. Okay, that that's my understanding. Yeah, oh, he's controlling these people and that thing. You don't really get works. anything because the actual villain in the movie doesn't actually really interact with them. It just kind of just does things on its own and then disappears into the mirror and that's it. This is the dime a dozen plot that we're going to see through much of the 90s, much yeah. of the 2000s in... in Leading in, up to 2000 because that was the big... Uh, remember Y2K? They were doing that. Yeah, movie. but you're going to see a lot of that we, in, in in fiction. Like mm. just that thing, Millennium. You're with yeah, cults the whole, and... It's uh, the end of the world. Uh, a lot of Jerry... Uh, Jerry uh, James Rollins' oeuvre after he do, does the uh, his earlier stuff that was cool mm -hmm. a lot of uh, douglas preston and lincoln child stuff back when they were before they were cool and they did nothing but agent pendergrass pendergast and then your favorite dan brown dan brown and his uh eh, okay uh trilogy of uh books <laughs> that's a good way of putting it 
okay. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're beach reads. They're not. They're not anything great. But um, yeah, it's it's just it's dime a dozen. The plot's gonna be be done to death after this. It's probably better explained. But like I said, this is a pol- solid plot for a. TV setup. series, a, a solid p- setup, not a plot. Yeah, sorry, a setup. Because there Seeing is as no the plot. movie was three quarters of it was set up. Like this has some of the poorest ass John Carpenter like uh, pacing that I have ever seen. Like John Carpenter's movies are purposely paced slow in order to build up the tension. This movie was just paced slow because he didn't want to tell us what the movie was about. That's what one of my problem with with the whole villain aspect is that he wanted to keep it so mysterious that he kept having to explain things, wouldn't show anything of value, and then it, the villain just disappears at the end, and then there's a dream, and movie ends. Well, no, like, this this is a recurring dream that like, we've only been getting you. parts of, and honestly, this would be done better plot-wise in, I don't know, um, a little thing called Stein's Gate, where there's dreams about the future, and John Titor, and changing world lines, and yeah... That, that will do it better later on than, than this one. Like, we're sending dreams back through the tachyon pulses from the year 1999. Well, because, you know, 999 is the mirror of 666. Well, John Carpenter himself would even do better than this. Like I said, we already mentioned a hundred times, but at the mouth of badness is, does everything this movie does only well. It literally has a plot, it has a story, things happen, and the ending actually works for what it is. This and, and, one, and that movie's not a great movie either, but that movie's at least fun well, it's way and entertaining, and it's way better than this. And it, this, like I said, we've just watched a bunch of John Carpenter. Well, not a bunch, only like two or three movies. And I'm... Oh, this is the weakest uh, by far. But, uh, <laughs> in, in a bunch of movies that has a freaking car that seems to be possessed by the devil, and a mm-hmm. bunch of people who seem to be uh, possessed by the devil, I don't know. I think I prefer the one with the car. This one actually has all the weakest parts of that movie. Like, even, like, the thing we were complaining about, like, the the whole death of that guy in that movie. Remember that one? We got crushed by the steering wheel. That's something very similar to this one. Alice Cooper impales the guy and he falls on the bike thing. That's so dumb. Oh, fun fact. That's part of his stage show. He brought his own prop, JD. Alice Cooper brought his own prop to filming. Yeah, but you could have done that in a way where it would have been, like, he just stabs him and we cut away because we already know what happened. But no, they had to do a whole setup, which is just... Like, can it, I just say that the idea of, like, okay, all these homeless people and all these other people, the sick, are, are okay, they become the worker bees for him is interesting. But then it's just like, okay, all we're doing is keeping them locked in. It's like, okay, but so all you're doing is blocking people from getting in and getting out. That's it. There was even that scene where they tried to go out there for some reason and they just tried to swarm. They're, okay, they're over there and they're over there. Yeah. I'm going to try to get away. They're blocking the only two entrances and exits here. How is... Oh, my God. The movie is a mess. We have to tell the... We have to show the audience that there's no way out. We know there's no way out because you literally just spent the last 40 minutes showing us there's no way out. Why are you doing it again? And that's the problem with the movie is it just goes on and on. It repeats itself. It doesn't go anywhere and then it ends. I'm honestly... Honestly, JD, if we were to replay this as an RPG, I think we'd do a better (laughs) freaking job than John Carpenter. Yes, because we would, we would, you know, not let people just go off randomly and get themselves killed every five seconds. Or we'd, or it'd be like randomly nebulous, but it's only because JD rolls poorly always <laughs> in RPGs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so let's just uh, sum it up. What would you give this one, Randy? A two. Yeah, that's a two. It's like, I, part of me is like, I want to kind of watch it again alone to just make sure I didn't miss something because of the dog, but... <laughs> I don't think I missed anything. No, I don't think it would have made much of a difference. 
Maybe um, this is a grower, not a shower. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's a lot of people who love this movie, and I guess you might like it for the possibilities, or maybe you enjoy vagueness, like really, really purposeful vagueness, but it's not doesn't have any of his real strengths for John Carpenter during this era. He really knew how to make it sharp, how to make it pop, and how to make it atmospheric. He doesn't do any of that very well in this movie, unfortunately. Like, I could see myself running a camp campaign for you, JD, one-on-one -on -one with, like, the rule set for the Call of Cthulhu, hmm. maybe, like, the, the work in the sanity thing, because this felt like it would made it made a good plot for a sequel to, like, Eternal Darkness for the GameCube. Like, it has, <laughs> it's like, it has that potentiality to be good, but it also has the potentiality to be in the mouth of madness. Yeah. Which is a movie that I'm more than likely to go back to, but like I said, this one, part of me is kind of like, I'll re maybe I'll revisit one day, but not yeah. right now. I'll also give this one a two. Like I said, maybe it would have been different if I didn't see In the Mouth of Madness first, but that wouldn't change the fact that this movie itself has too many obvious problems with itself. How about we just sum, sum it up with these couple of reviews. Let's first from his review in the Washington Post, Richard Harrington wrote, at one point, Pleasant vows that it's a secret that can no longer be kept. Here's another, the Prince of Darkness stinks. <laughs> It, too, deserves to be shut up in a canister for seven million years. <laughs> Liam Lacey, in his review for the Globe and Mail, wrote, There is no character really worth caring about, no sympathy to any of these characters. The principal romantic couple, Jameson Parker and Lisa Blount, are unpleasant enough to create an unfortunate ambivalence about their internal destinies. A lot of it is just ambivalence, really. Yeah. And then, for some good reviews of it, is like in his film, in his review for the New York Times, Vincent can be called the film a surprisingly cheesy horror film to come from Mr. Carpenter, a director whose work is usually far more efficient and inventive. And that's a good review. <laughs> Nigel Floyd in Time Out gave a positive review of the film calling Prince of Darkness engrossing and adding the claustrophobic terror generated by fluid camera work and striking angles leads to a heart-racing climax. No, 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 and no. Uh, but the directing wasn't decent. I liked that it was claustrophobic. This I'm just reading straight off of Wikipedia because I saw those things. I'm like, yeah, that sums up a lot of it. Yeah. This one is not one of his strong ones. It might even be one of his weakest ones. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say it's worse than Ghost of Mars because that more or less made him give up on oh making my God. movies. But and you want to know so it's not yeah that far away to be quite honest before we tap out on this thing jd mm -hmm. would you hazard a guess for the budget i'm gonna guess this one was expensive to make i'm gonna only guess it's expensive to make because it would be really stupid for this to be expensive to make the budget for this film was three million really not that expensive by 1980s money now what was the box office for this movie 1.9 million 14.1 million. Oh, come so on. So this was a success. And nobody saw Big Trouble in Little China, but they saw this. They saw this. Okay. Well, John Carpenter's return to horror was this. If and I barely called this a horror. If you're a Gen Xer listening to this, what the hell is wrong with you? Why did you go see this movie and not Big Trouble in Little China? What is wrong Quiet, with you? Quiet, old millennial. Quiet, you old millennial. I'm Generation Y. But anyway. No, Generation Y is actually after us. No, that's not how it works. Anyway, that's getting off topic. What we're going to say... At least we're not Zoomers, JD. Well, <laughs> at least we're not Zoomers. What we're just going to say is that this is the second movie I'm very surprised that John Carpenter made that was more successful than his better works. But I'd rather watch Christine. I would rather watch Christine than this. I'd rather this. watch The Explorers by Joe Dante. I'd rather watch half of The Explorers by Joe Dante. <laughs> I'd rather watch the, the front half of The Explorers <laughs> and the back half of this movie after everything was explained. <laughs> that would be a really odd combination, but 
after taking a little sure. ayahuasca or some LSD or uh, some mushrooms, and well, which I don't do. I think we're done with this one. I don't really want to talk about this anymore. But all right, everybody, we'll see you next time. It's been a JD. And I'm Randy, and I have no idea what next week will bring. Mm. Either we're back with another non-canon or we're back with another canon film. It's just, who knows anymore? This is... Maybe. I'm depressed now after having watched this film. Maybe we'll even have a small little break. Who knows? It's a real mystery, but... I think this movie may have killed us. Well, we'll see you next time, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye! A life form is growing out of prebiotic fluid. It's not winding down into disorder. It's self-organizing. It's becoming something. What? 